Blog Talk Radio. Coming at you live is the standing eight count, and it starts now. Before the first round, I'll make a back down. I'm coming for the ground, and no, we don't back down. I beat the track down, screaming loud, the crowds gonna react wild. Pound for pound, I'm the best in this game, man, hands down. The way I stand out ain't looking for a handout. I'm undisputed, gassed up, and never ran out. I'm underrated, undefeated, and looking for Welcome to Standing Eight Count Radio. As always, Sunday nights here on Strong Style Media. Ryan Cook sitting in here with you. Um, just trying to get Elijah in here uh, as we speak. He's he's having a little technical difficulties, but he will be in, uh, I'm assuming, after the break. Had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of fights over the weekend. Uh, 11 total that I scored myself. Just coming from the two ESPN shows, the two Showtime shows. It was a busy, a busy, busy week. I think it was about nine hours worth of boxing that we got. But I tell you what, you know, springtime starts ramping up. Uh, the guys over at Showtime kept calling it March Madness because it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't have it any other way, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, tons, tons of good stuff. We saw two 140-pound division uh, fights for two of the vacant titles, Terrence Crawford vacated. Uh, one of them was the uh, actual champion, Sergey Lipinier, took on Mikey Garcia. And then Rancis Barthelemy fought Kirill Relic in a rematch from their controversial decision uh, for one of the other titles to get two of the four fully taken care of. I, I, I said two vacant in the in the description. I forgot Lipinier actually was... Uh, champion going into this. They weren't a vacant fight, so I apologize for that. Great fights there. Showtime the night before gave us a triple header uh, headlined by Regis Prograis against Julius Ndongo. We saw Ivan Branchuk took on Peter Petrov and then Junior Fa in the heavyweight division took on Craig Lewis with the Prograis Ndongo winner uh, getting a 140-pound title fight. It looks like in the near future against the winner of uh, Miramam and Jose Ramirez next weekend. So they're trying to get that division kind of, kind of caught up with all the champions, but there is a lot going on at 140. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting cluster, but I'm sure all these guys are going to want to fight each other, you know, and, and try to do what Crawford did as he was the third to ever unify aside from Bernard Hopkins and Jermaine Taylor. So it was an impressive feat. They have a lot of shoes to fill as well by doing that. But Showtime really delivered. ESPN went back-to-back Friday and Saturday nights. Friday, Golden Boy ran the card. Uh, we saw Alexis Roca took on Miguel Dumas. Uh, Marcelia Cornejo took on Louis, uh, Lisa Garland. And in the main event, uh, Ronnie Rios, the older brother of Alexis Roca, took on Azat Hovanesian. And then we saw Saturday night, Bob Arum's top-ranked productions, top-ranked boxing, closed the evening out in Carson at the StubHub, or, yeah, I think it was in Carson or, or San Jose, wherever the StubHub Center is. But we know that you always get great fights there outdoors. It was a, it was a just raining, raining profusely. But we saw some good fights. Andy Ventus took on Eric DeLeon, and then a featherweight title fight between Oscar Valdez Jr. and Scotty Quigg. 
Quig making his America debut was over the weight limit, so it was an on-title fight, but boy, oh boy, did they not care. These guys went blow for blow, so I'm excited to talk all that. There's, I mean, like I said, there, there, was, there was banger fights everywhere on these shows. There was a couple duds, um, but a lot of it made, a lot of it made up for it. There was a lot of, a lot of heavy handed fights and there was a lot of kind of coming out of nowhere. You could say, uh, there's somebody that, that I cannot wait to talk about on one of these fights that really, uh, solidified themselves, I believe in, in, uh, in their weight class, win or lose. So that's going to be exciting to talk about. Uh, also, we'll, we'll kind of just banter. You know, we may preview what's coming out next week if we have time. Like I said, these are going to take most of the show uh, to go through. But, hey, we uh, we always find time for banter. Uh, looks like Elijah is, is getting it figured out here. So we're going to hit you with our first commercial break. Get that out of the way. Uh, pay some bills. Come back. We're going to start Friday Night Fights on Showtime. And go, man, I remember Friday Night Fights. <laughs> we have the Golden Boy shows. We got the Showtime shows. Standing A Cup, Strong Style Media. Don't go away. Looking to get a head start on deer hunting season? Let FML Solutions point you in the right direction. Hi, Alex from Strong Style Media here, letting our listeners know deer season just got a heck of a lot easier. FML Solutions offer a fantastic deer stand that only takes 30 minutes to assemble and disassembles with no tools required. The best part, though, is its ingenious design allows it to double as a cart to haul your trophy back to the truck. FML Solutions is a made-in-the-USA product manufactured right here in Minnesota. Check out FML Solutions on Facebook by searching FML Solutions INC and visit FMLSolutionsInc.com to learn more about this innovative deer stand. Most people would consider this Illegal. 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 What was mere vision suddenly became a reality. When you put a bunch of entities together and you bundle into one giant conglomerate, baby, you get strong foul media. My name is Ryan Cook. I'm the chairman of our company, and I'm here to tell you that each and every week, Sunday through Thursday night, we give you the best in radio. For boxing needs, standing eight count radio. For pro wrestling, we got WrestleCast. We got your sports knowledge covered with SportsCast. You like movies? The pop cultures are where it's at. And for all your local hip-hop, Soda Sound Radio. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, rate, share, follow everything you got. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio TuneIn, and more. We are Strong Style. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. You won't see these folks at the post office. They have businesses to run. They have passions to pursue. How do they avoid trips to the post office? Stamps.com. Mail letters. Ship packages. All the services of the post office right on your computer. Get a four-week trial, including postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com today. 
Hey, Alex Mello here, host of The Pop Culturist on the Strong Style Media Network, inviting you to join myself alongside Half Pint's Kyle Adams as we discuss all the latest news and reviews in movies, music, and television. Check us out every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time here on blogtalkradio.com. Also, you can check out the Pop Culturist archives on Blog Talk Radio, search bar, Strong Style Media, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in and Google Play to hear all the eclectic offerings here at Strong Style Media. We are conglomerates. What are we looking at here? Lists all over this safety thing. Third-party background checks for drivers. 24-7 trust and safety team. Critical response line. All right, list. Two can play at this game. What if we had a safe word? What about boba? No. But if you actually wanted boba, it's got to be more exotic. What's your wife's name? Oh, Barbara? Safe words, Barbara. I like that. Okay. This uplifting cinematic experience. Uh, I've got something important to tell you, man. The big story is... Dig this and dig it deep. What if I had the power to gather all of my favorite MCs with the endless comic book characters and they became arch enemies? Inconceivable, unbelievable, yet as wild as it seems, the Emperor and Stan Lee were coached the two opposing teams. Keep it clean, no bats, no gas, guns, or interference. Comic book characters would go head up with raw lyrics, now I take. Whoever might be on break from doing tours. Stan Lee ain't count. Elijah, what is up, sir? I see you in the, in the building. What up, Ryan Cook? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I felt like uh, you know, to 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 quote what we just heard, we had some secret wars of bouts this weekend. Couple flops, but my god, was there some bangers. I I thought nothing more appropriate than the last emperor's track there for <laughs> for a way to lead into what we saw over the weekend, Elijah. Oh man, yeah, it was uh there's a couple snoozers, but for the most part, it was uh, from what I from what I watched. There's some, some some good action this weekend. Oh my goodness! I I, I let everyone know I was I, I ran down the scores. Uh, I scored 11 fights this weekend, which I attested to probably about eight to nine hours of boxing I must have watched. But you scored more than I did. I scored every single. I've decided come 2018 here, I'm going to score every single fight that I watch. Uh, well, ever from, since that last weekend there, I'm going to well, finish the year out and score everything. Well, from now on, then I will score every single fight I watch from now on. I scored. <laughs> I, I, I scored all the big fights. I scored the the. I scored the the big fights, like the three big fights. I didn't score the um the undercard stuff really, but. But yeah, so he scored the four main events. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, I mean, ultimately that's what counts anyway. Um, Showtime did have some really good undercard stuff too. Let's. Um, I figured the easiest way to do this is let's just go chronologically. Let's go Showtime, then we'll go with the Golden Boy card. Uh, okay. Then we'll then we'll break, and then we can come back and talk the um, uh, the next night Showtime and the top rank and then break and then we'll just banter if we have any time left or we won't take our third break sorry for whatever sponsors are in the third break you might not get one at this rate with how long this will go but uh i i i know we we mentioned snoozers and i think the first one's the easiest one to get out of the way junior fa defeats craig lewis 
Um, I scored the fight 79-73. I gave them all but but the, what was that, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth round out of the eight. It went to decision. Um, I kind of mentioned it to you earlier, but I, I have a notation that the second round might have been the worst round of boxing I have watched this entire year. Oh, God. That fight was... The fight was terrible. And I like... And it's not just because... You know, it it wasn't tactical or anything. It was just a bad fight. There wasn't much going on. A lot of holding. <laughs> yeah. And those, you like, know, it seemed like holding. they were gassed by the third round, too. Um, mm-hmm. Craig Lewis has the worst facial hair goatee circle thing that I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know what was going on with that. As somebody who has had that uh, many of times in the pro wrestling world, uh, and I've had it centered and straight enough where people could pull on it for me uh, and and make a chuckle from the audience. That dude needs to up his game. But I, I dude, I'll tell you that that Craig Lewis dude was atrocious, and I have never seen him before. I've never heard of him before, and he definitely was the B side. But not to just discredit him. They talk about Junior Fox comes in had two amateur victories over Joseph Parker who's got one of the four straps at heavyweight. This dude was the A side and he came in looking just as bad. Yeah, he uh I was kind of looking forward to see him fight too because I mean, he had that he's got the pedigree. He's beat Parker a couple times in the amateurs. Um he had that pretty good showing in the last time he was on Showtime when he had that first round knockout that one dude. Mm-hmm. But man, he just Maybe just an off night to him or something. <laughs> he did nothing. He he and and that that almost you could you could say kind of makes it even worse for him because as bad as Craig Lewis seemed to be as a fighter, he should have looked so much better, and that almost hurts his pedigree now. So it's like I don't know. It it just to me they they kind of doubled down with crap with one another. I. I, it didn't seem like anyone really cared. You, by the seventh round, they kind of just lumbered, lumbered around, kind of like Cecil Fielder did at the end of his career in the outfield, just kind of lumbered around and just uh, finishing things off. Because, no, I don't know, I don't think any of those guys even wanted to be there at that point. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they did, and I'm sure I'm crazy saying that, but come on, show some effort, guys. Yeah, they just, uh, I don't know, man, like a lot of holding, like <laughs> – Probably the most holding, probably the most holding I've seen in a fight in a long time. They would throw three punches and then they'd start hugging. I mean, they would finish their combo in love. Yeah. I mean, it was like, oh my god, I don't bad know. fight. If if either of those guys are thinking they're going to go anywhere, and they try to step in with the with the big four in this division. They got a long ways to go, <laughs> especially Junior Fah. He's got to go back to the drawing board if he's going to try to, you know, I beat Joseph Parker. Why shouldn't I get? No, no, just stop. Just, just stay away. <laughs> just stay yeah. away, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, moving to a more positive note, we did see a great undercard fight uh, with a guy who always seems to bang when he gets put on television. And you had a good assessment of him, so I can't wait for you to tell our listeners about it. But we saw Ivan Branchuk defeat Peter Petrov. I had it 70-60. Uh, all the rounds I uh, gave straight to him until he finished them. 
Uh, Petrov went down in the second. He went down in the sixth. Finally, by the eighth, it was over. You had you had some uh, kind of a, a nice assessment of words on Ivan Baranchuk, Elijah. Yeah, I mean when when I watch Baranchuk fight, he feels like uh like he feels to me like Golovkin would feel if Golovkin wasn't very skilled and wasn't very refined and as technically sound as as he is. Um, that dude just all of his punches are the same the same speed. In the same force, like he doesn't mix, he doesn't mix them up. I mean everything. I mean because he does throw, he does throw jabs. Yeah, it's all power jabs, and all of his hooks are like, like he's swinging for the fences. It's crazy, but he just he he reminds me of of Golovkin, if Golovkin like would pretty much just throw all of his shots to like knock you out. <laughs> that's that's a good. I love that assessment. No, because he, he moves he, he moves he moves around the he moves around the ring ring well. I mean, he does work off his jab a little bit. He just he doesn't like mix up the speed of his punches. Really, it's all it's like pretty much everything he has on every punch. <laughs> <laughs> Do you Whereas, now, now he's only twenty five. No, I so I don't, he's he's a he's a dangerous fighter. Mm-hmm. I don't not I'm not like knocking him or anything. I think he's oh, no, a no, dangerous no. fighter and, he, and he's fun to watch. He just for like someone who's a really good boxer who's clever, I think they they'll be able to kind of pick up on what he's doing, and they'll be able to counter him fairly easily. Honestly. Now, um, I believe they fought at 135 was was the weight class they were in. Uh, Peter Petrov coming off back-to-back losses. He lost to Terry Flanagan um, before taking this fight. But but that's kind of where I wanted to go with the Branchuk bit. At 25 years old, he's got room to grow. He's already got 18 fights under his belt, 11 knockouts. Um, he had another knockout in two, four four fights before this one, he, they'd all gone 10 round or eight round unanimous decisions. But this one, I, and I'll say too, you know, you know, Keenan Smith gets, gets a unanimous decision victory, Abel Ramos, Wilberth Lopez and uh, Zimin Wang. So not big names, but Peter Petrov to me was, was probably the biggest name that he's fought and he finished him and he did a great job against him, which really impressed me for that reason. But I feel like this dude has a chance to, you know, everyone says your your prime's 28 to 32. I mean, he's got a couple of years till he potentially could hit his prime. He gets right, he gets with the right trainer. Maybe he could make some noise in that division. Oh, definitely. I'm just saying he needs to watch Golovkin. <laughs> uh, and, and do what uh, Golovkin does. And he'll be, like, even more dangerous than he already is. I just love that assessment, though. He punches like he's throwing everything as hard as he can. <laughs> he he is. Am I am I lying? No, no, not not by any means. Not by any means. It's just it's funny to think like, you know, this this dude's literally going out there and trying to hit you as hard as he can, not like work a jab to kind of soften your hands up or or work you know any kind of uh 
you know, body shot to drop your arm and set up a big punch. He's coming with the big punch every th- – I should have got the punch stat numbers of how many power punches the jabs he threw. Well, it's, and even even his, like, non-power punches, like, everything is, like, the same speed. Everything's the same force, whereas you see guys like Golovkin, or even if you see a guy like um, the guy who fought Barth- Bartholomew. Um, oh, uh, Kiro Relic? Yeah, Relic, as, like – Relic and Glovkin, they are not like Relic is a big hitter, but he was throwing a lot of like pawing, like slow punches that kind of like set up his big punches and, and it worked. And if the beast, if the beast could learn how to do that, man, <laughs> can can he be the beast without throwing punches like that over and over? <laughs> yes, he can because I bet you he would be. He, I bet you he would be more successful. Yeah, like he's he'd probably he, knock guys out more frequently. He's uh, he's definitely a project, and and I like the assessment because that was going to be the other thing I wanted to bring up to you, and I think you nailed most of most of what it is. But uh, Ivan Branchuk's always a guy I've enjoyed in the last few fights. He's always on these Showtime undercards, but that's kind of it. He doesn't get out of the undercard spot. Is it because he's 25 and he's just starting to get bigger fights? Or is it one of those things where he's not getting ranked high in the, in the governing bodies because they don't see him as a threat? I think it's more of just, I think it's more of just his age. And I think he's going to start getting the bigger. Yeah. And I think he's going to start, start getting the bigger fights. Cause I don't know. I, he's definitely is a threat. I mean, that guy's, like strong, he's big for that weight class. He's really strong, and I mean, so when he hits you, when he hits you, man, like Petrov, a lot of the times looked like he was thinking to himself, "What am I doing in here? Why am I doing this?" <laughs> that and that second round when he hit him with that right hand, that was one of the hardest punches I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, I was surprised Petrov got back up, but then in the eighth, he he caught him. Oh my God! Like Petrov looked like he didn't know where he was, and I mean it was no. it was a good let's just be done here. Cause yeah. <laughs> Rich, I just I love it. I keep going back to it. He hits you or everything he throws, he throws as hard as he can. <laughs> That's the best assessment. That's the best assessment. If you were to tell somebody who doesn't know anything about boxing and like, oh, tell me about this guy. There you go. This guy punches as hard as he can every single time that he punches. <laughs> it's like uh it's like like a like a guy like Aaron Judge where every time he comes up to the bat, he's either gonna strike out or he's gonna hit it seven hundred feet because all he wants to do is hit it as hard as he can. There's no technique. It's just I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> Such a good hey, you did, Such a good you did know you do know Aaron Judge was hitting three thirty at one point last year. No, oh, I'm not, I'm not dogging it. I'm not dogging it. I'm just saying, like that's a guy who's going to try to hit it as hard as he can. I would say a better. I would there. I would say I would say a better a better comparison for the beast would be like someone like Dave Kingman or Rob Deere. <laughs> Dave Kingman, remember the remember the 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 promo. <laughs> Or Mike Napoli. Mike 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 Napoli would be a great comparison for the beast. 
<laughs> there you go. There you go. See, we're, we're incorporating a little, little sports with it. <laughs> um, so, obviously, the main event, we go to a guy that you, you've been really high on, and he finally gets to showcase himself in a situation against a big name. I mean, Julius Ndongo comes in fighting Terrence Crawford, the fight before this, had two titles in that division. It's a really good contest. And Regis Prograce takes him out in the second. Uh, and he oh. made sure to point out, I did what Crawford did one round early. Regis Prograce, man, you've been talking him up, talk the fight. Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, man, he uh, he looked phenomenal. He uh, he made Ndongo look pretty uh, pretty lackluster. I mean, he was he did a good job of kind of getting uh, getting inside of Ndongo's punches. I mean, he took he he got hit a little bit, but I think that was in his game plan is because he knew that he couldn't um, Ndongo couldn't hit him or couldn't hurt him. So I think he was selling out to like get the fight over quickly and to like really make a statement because he knew that he could. And he, uh, he definitely did that. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, you know, first round was first round was kind of interesting. And Dongo seemingly for the first maybe minute, minute and a half was, was throwing punches and, and, and kind of, you know, doing what people expected him to do because of his, of his, you know, his record, it spoke for himself with his titles. And then he gets dropped, and he gets dropped hard. Uh, yeah. Comes back, second round, seemingly still wasn't there, you could tell. Uh, went for a couple shots knowing he just had a 10-8 round, and, man, Prograce hit him with a shot that just, I mean, it sounded like a wet towel. Just <laughs> whap. And that was his the other legs thing. Just, his and, I mean, Progress showed a lot to me though. Like he has good footwork. He can actually slip punches really well. Like he has really good head movement. He bobs and weaves. Um, he has is, has good defense with his hands, and it seems like he knows he like pretty much knew how to get inside of a bigger fighter. So I don't know if a guy like a big long fighter will give him a lot of issues because it looks like he can he has a style to kind of combat that. And I mean, he has fast hands, and he has a ton of power. When, uh, when, um, uh, what was it? What am I thinking of? Uh, Ndongo, when he got hit with that first right and fell over, he looked like what? Uh, he looked just like when Ice Cube threw Michael Blackson out of Pinkies. He had that big eyed, wide open, mouth open. Oh my God! What just happened? <laughs> oh man! He was. He yeah. Was, so confused. Oh, I I wish uh, if I if I was able to crop it, I'd try to get a side by side because I laugh so hard. I'm like, dude, that guy doesn't know what just happened. Like he doesn't know where that came from and why that happened to his life. And Prograce just walks right to the corner, which is my favorite part. Is he goes right over there, going count him and get him up so I can do it again. And that's, <laughs> that's something I love about some of these fighters is some of these like I. You know, once again, I'll bring him up. I, I always love Wilder's intensity, but when he dropped Ortiz and starts like beating his chest in front of him, like get get away from him and let them count him so he can get up and you can go do more damage. Stop 
Yeah. You're giving him more than the eight. You know, he's getting more than the quote unquote ready for this Elijah. The standing eight count. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> whereas Brogan drops him and just that. Oh, we should get a drum roll on here with the hi hat. Yeah. But Progre, he got out of the way and said, there you go, count him, get him back up, let's keep going. And that's the one thing I like from some of these guys. You know, you mentioned Golovkin earlier. That's something Golovkin does. Golovkin's going to drop you with a punch to your liver and then walk away, so you have to figure out how to get up right away. Don't give yeah. these guys time. Uh, Progre's looked like a pro coming out of that. Now Regis Progre's will get a shot at the winner of Jose Ramirez and Amir Imam next next Friday night. Uh, for the vacant junior welterweight, or excuse me, next Saturday night for the junior welterweight championship. I don't think either of those guys, from what I saw on Friday night, are going to pose any kind of a threat to progress in, in their fight. Do you? No, not one bit. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I can't recall really any Jose Ramirez fights I've seen. I'm sure I have but nothing stands out to me. And I remember right before we were going to get Amir Imam on the show, when we were going to get him on for sportscast, he got dropped and then never kept contact after he lost that fight. And we never had him on the show because of it. So those oh, are my no. founding memories of these two guys. And I'll tell you what, my, my last memory of Regis Prograis is much different of those two. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in any bit of fear for Regis Prograis. I'm excited for it. I want to see what's going to happen. And boy, I think if he takes that title before the year's over, that is going to be a nice breath of fresh air in this in this division because this 140-pound junior welterweight division is starting to starting to shape out. It's starting to really ramp up, and I am very excited to see where we go uh, on the rest of our journey yeah. with this. Um, they're fighting for the the WBC, I'm, for whatever reason, I can't figure out what's going on with the WBO version of that title. Am I missing something um, on who's fighting for the, the other vacant title? I'm a, I'll look it up right now. I, just, I was just thinking about that because only two of the titles are, are occupied, and that takes out the fourth or the, the third one. But And I was thinking, I'm like, damn, who's – Who's going for the WBO title? Uh, All right, let's see here. I'm looking at. I found it right now. I think it's going to be Terry Flanagan. Oh, Flanagan and Maurice Hooper. And Maurice Hooper. Maurice Hooper. Shout out to. No, Maurice Hooker. He was the dude who had the boring ass fight when I was at the Kovalev Ward. Oh yeah. Oh god, that fight was terrible. <laughs> and Flanagan just coming off of uh, his his last fight, he beat Peter Petrov, who we talked about a little bit earlier. So that's what I, I could not for life me think of who it was. And that makes sense. So, I mean, we're looking at probably Terry Flanagan taking that title. Pro Grace should end up with the other one. And we'll get to the other two titles later on in the show because they were Saturday fights. So we're not going to, we're not going to get into that yet. We're going to save that in case you don't know. We're not giving the spoilers yet, but some, some nice fights, some, some nice stuff from Showtime. Fun little card, too. It was definitely one of their uh, house show type cards as they had the, uh, that old dude, I can never remember his name, that always does the, the fights with Steve Farhood. And then um, um, Al Bernstein. 
No, no, he only does like the A A side shows. Because oh, right. the old dude. Yeah, because oh, it, was, um, it wasn't Bernstein. He's an old fighter, and, isn't he? Yeah, and then they have the other one, Raimundo Vargas. I think is the the third guy. But I can never remember the old dude's name. He's so short. And always, he's always looking square up at uh, Steve Farhood. And Farhood's just like smirking, looking down at him. The guy's really raspy. But, you know, it was one of their B-side shows. We didn't see Mauro Ronaldo and, and Pauly and those guys. But yeah. these these B-side shows give us guys that we get to see that really could do damage. And for two of the three winners, I thought we saw some great – Great previews of what they can do in their divisions. Junior Fa, once again, kind of a letdown. One of the worst fights of the year. Uh, and and when was the last time we said that about a boxing fight? I don't think we've dogged a boxing fight for sucking in a long time, Elijah. No, it's been quite some time. Uh, these past few months have been uh, pretty pretty amazing for boxing. I can't really think of one right now. That we Craig Junior Fah. <laughs> but Branch took over Peter Petrov. Regis Progress over Julius Ndongo. Now we move on to Golden Boy Promotions. They were on ESPN. Uh, it started, I think, 11 o'clock our time central. We got three fights on this show. Uh, a couple, I'm, they all kind of went fairly quick. But starting off, Ronnie Rios' younger brother, Alexis Roca, dominates Miguel Dumas. That thing didn't even get out of the first round, man. That dude looked no. brutal. Yeah, that was a that was that was a a, a quick and merciful beating. <laughs> um, I have not seen Alexis Roca uh, before that. Have you uh, got to see that young gentleman fight at all? He's eleven and zero from Santa Ana. No, I just really I've heard the name, but I never really got a chance to watch him fight. That's his third he looked, straight he looked impressive. first round knockout. Yeah, yeah, he did. You are hundred percent right. He wins the WBC Continental America's welterweight title. Man, there's a lot of titles in boxing. <laughs> uh but he gets he gets that strap. He's fighting at welterweight, so he's a one forty seven kid. You know, if he's gonna stand out and dominate like this, that's another welcome to that one forty seven pound division. Uh, for the welterweights, I don't think anyone's gonna going to say no to more competition in it. Maybe the fighters, but <laughs> fans, no, no, yeah. we love that. <laughs> but yeah, not a lot to say with that one. Uh, next fight we saw uh, Marcella Cornejo took on Lisa Garland. This one ends in a four round stoppage. I had a thirty twenty seven on the cards going into it. Uh, I, I remember I mentioned it to you before, but did you get the? Did you end up getting to watch this fight after we talked? I did not get to watch that fight. Was it? Oh man! Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's, but you told me when she's like, I can't see. I can't yeah. see. I can't I was see. you were gonna watch. Did Did you watch? Uh, so did you just fast forward that fight? I didn't even. I like. I saw. A hi, I saw highlights of um, the last two fights because for some reason it was, didn't. It only recorded. Like the Dumas fight for some reason I don't know what what went goofy with it but oh so I didn't you didn't even get the women's fight. fight damn um well yeah let's well let, before we go there there then uh Cornejo just she bodied her the whole fight 
Uh, Lisa Garland didn't look like she wanted to stand in the, in the ring. I have never seen these two. I was, I'm not a, I'm not familiar with them. I can't say I've seen or heard of them, but I will tell you that Lisa Garland looked like a lunch lady, and she was getting bobbed on and was not having a good time whatsoever. Finally, she pins her, set her the ring against the ropes, and is pummeling her as we just hear, "I can't see my eye." <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> and uh, the ref stops it, and Cornejo's like, I'm sorry, I didn't want to keep hurting you, she said to her. And the girl looked at her like she was mad. Like, what do you expect's going to happen in a boxing match? But I can't they, see. <laughs> so funny. She's like, it's my <laughs> <laughs> And I shouldn't laugh at other people's misfortune. I know that. But, man, you, you, you know, you, you, go, you go in there. And you're just going to kind of lumber around, you know, she, she, it, it was what Craig Lewis Jr. Foss should have been. I think is the best way to put this for two, uh, two kind of unknowns uh, to a lot of people and somebody really stood out and, oh my gosh, Lisa Garland. I don't, I don't think she's going to be around anymore after that beating she took. <laughs> well then. <laughs> it was so funny. I can't see my <laughs> And she's eating like right crosses <laughs> just on the on the chin. Uh, then we so get is, the main event. What's that? Is the is the is the is the woman who is the woman who won? Is she uh like is she a, is she kind of like a like a prospect for women or like someone who's kind of highly thought of as a women's fighter or what's her story? Like you know, what? they didn't—they didn't even really say much, to be really honest with you. And if they did, I—I I was kind of in and out doing a couple things, so I apologize for that. Um, that's me being a bad host with you well, and not you, doing my you, job. At least you watched it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I watched it enough to watch the lunch lady get the crap kicked out of her. That was—that's—that's that's my assessment of it. I will say this: Cornejo chick, though she—she she looked good. She—she she was able to put her punches together. Uh, she was throwing, you know, three, four punch combos. Um, nothing looked unorthodox, too. So she looks like she's definitely been in there before. Um, a box record during the commercial break and kind of, kind of okay. jump on it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Lisa Garland, like she looked like uh, Alice from, from uh, the Brady Bunch. Man, she, 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 she shouldn't have been in a boxing ring. Oh no! <laughs> it was so funny. Gosh, I'm gonna save that on my DVR. I think. Uh, anyway, I can't see. Event. I can't see. <laughs> I want to see if I can get a, a, a clip of my phone of it. <laughs> then we we got a uh, Azad Hovanesian took on Ronnie Rios. This was a banger fight. Um, I had it 48-47 Hovanesian going into the sixth round, and that is where. Uh, Hovanesian really was doing some work in the third and fourth. Rios came back with a late theory in the fifth to win the round in my eyes for it. But Hovanesian lost the first round, or won the first, lost the second I had. The third round, though, was kind of interchangeable. It was a really close round. Hovanesian started throwing some more bombs at the end. Rios looked a little uneasy come that, that fourth round there. We saw Alexis Roca on the corner kind of with his head down, like, oh, I don't know what's going on. The corner was was really trying to figure out what Rios was doing. 
And Hovahisian went in there in the sixth with a killer instinct and just took Ronnie Rios out. Rios had a nice little win streak, I remember, on all these ESPN shows that we kept getting to see. Um, I remember him, gosh, a couple years back on on one of these undercards, um, trying to remember who it was that he fought. And he got the win, too. But he, he does lose his super bantamweight uh, Continental Americas the second time we saw that. Um, But it was You know I think it was uh, I think it was back Might have been the Jason Velez fight In uh, 2015 when he won the uh, WBC silver featherweight title You know he had some good wins Going to the CB Roy Tapia He got a shot against uh, Ray Vargas in in August of last year When he had the WBC super bantamweight He lost that by decision Um, Won his last fight just back in December, but then you had this kind of this match with Azat Hovanesian. Hovanesian just took him out. Thirteen and two or fourteen and two now, eleven knockouts. This dude, this dude could bang, man. He's the first Armenian super bantamweight uh, champion. This this dude's good though, man. Um, this dude, this from the highlights, good. from the highlights I saw, like he was all over Rios, like just yeah, all he, over him, like just swarmed him. He put on. Just a barrage. And and to give Ronnie Rios credit, there was a lot of times where he did manage to fight out and land some shots where uh, uh, Hovanesian would throw, you know, three, four punches that would get, you know, checked or blocked. And then Rios would land a good counter. And it's like, oh, he just took that exchange. Um, it, so I'm not sure what the judges actually had it. I don't believe they said the final scorecard because it wasn't ESPN, and I don't think they really show that. I think HBO is the only one that really shows the final scorecards. Maybe Showtime too, but um, okay. You know, I, I'm not sure how the other judges had it, but there there was there was times where Rios was keeping him, uh, keeping him at bay a little bit, making him respect a little bit of it. But you know, ca- casual eye from you know, kind of kind of something you bring up. A lot of people, I think, would have thought Hovanesian dominated for the fact that, you know, highlights do tell a story, and that's what ESPN shows the show. But I think Rios did a lot more than people give him credit for. But, man, Hovanesian just came at him, and he came at him hard. And as he, like you said, you know, the barrages of punches that he was throwing, once he started figuring out Rios and he stopped that counter after he threw his combos and threw more combos, and it just it got to the point where it was – it was it for Rios. There was there was no more in the tank. Yeah, I I figured I figured Rios like I always thought he was a pretty good fighter, but I figured he was eventually gonna have a loss like when he steps up like in competition. And it's how it already happened kind of twice. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ray Vargas. No, that's one that's true, and that's that's a good assessment of Rios too because he he's another one of those guys that's like a perfect. In pro wrestling, you'd call him a mid card mid card worker. You know, he's a guy you can throw right there on your on your undercard and get a nice fight out of him, and he probably gets a W. But you know, you mentioned it yourself. He steps up in competition and he and he struggles. And this is twice now. And this was a bad beatdown in that sixth round. I mean, this was like I said, his his brother was was not looking in the ring. And uh, as a fighter, to me that that's kind of telling that. Uh, you know your your younger brother who who does the same thing as you didn't want to see the beating. Yeah. Right. Overall though, 
some some fun fights on Fridays uh, that we got. Obviously, I think Showtime came away with the better stuff. Uh, you know, but I'll tell you what, we had th- we had three stoppages on on ESPN, and we had two. Yeah. St- you know, what? I I, I got to give it to ESPN. I know we saw the Prograde's knockdown or domination. We saw Branchuk throw as hard as he can every time. But that junior fought Craig Lewis was a real stinker on that card. And I'm kind of glad that was the first fight I watched, and I kind of led up to Rios Ovenesian as the last one because, ooh. Yeah. I tell you yeah. what, if I would have watched ESPN first and saw the Ovenesian fight and then watched Fa Lewis, I, I might have fast-forwarded. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that fight sucked. I, I like – I fell asleep on my like, – obviously, it's not saying a lot because I can fall asleep probably standing up. We know this. But I, I, like, I left and went to Cub and got snacks so I could eat while I was watching the fight because I needed something. I was like, I, oh, God, if I got to score this for a decision, and it went to a decision. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that, fight, that fight was booty. Uh, before we go to our – our break here. Biggest takeaway you had from Friday night's doubleheader. Um, good action for Friday night. I mean, usually, you know, Friday night fights are usually, eh, like, okay. And, you know, they just kind of sometimes don't hit the mark, but this week there's some, this, this time of this Friday, there's some good action and some, some really good fights, and you got to see a dominating performance by a guy who's up and coming. And again, the just the great start to 2018 for boxing continues. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked I liked that point too. Fridays usually are the the lesser knowns that kind of have the the simple fights that go the distance. And boy, he. <laughs> These fights ended on some some violent finishes. <laughs> Speaking of violence, though, uh, you ca- you caught all four ca- all four fights from Saturday. I take it. Yep. Beautiful. Let's break it. Come back Saturday. Oh, oh my goodness! This is why Saturdays are so fun if you're a boxing fan because there was some bangers. We're talking them. Standing eight count. Start style media. Don't go away. Your late night hip hop and R&B podcast, Soda Sound Radio, hosted by Kyle Halffine Adams, every Thursday night right here on the Strong Style Media Network. Catch up on your latest on hip hop and R&B, and hear Minnesota talent at 10 p.m. Central. But if you trust the way I feel, I won't fold from the cards that you feel. Let's journey life together and make it worthwhile. Can't take it back like time. See, my life is like a movie, no rewinding. Killing mics like I got a license. Victim, I believe don't have religion. Just a higher power. Who power? I'm not so happy with it. But I take a breath. Regain my power. Check my feet when I'm walking. See if it ain't. I've seen it all more than I care to reveal. I'm always sort of clear the air for the real. That's why I'm aiming at the grill, man. Because it's how I feel. Nobody being sincere. We need some changes for real. Again, that's Thursdays right here on the Strong Style Media Network. Thursdays at 10 p.m. Central. And if you're a musician, you want to get your music heard on the show, send the MP3 over to Soda Sound at strongstylemedia.com. Peanut. Peanut.
This right here is Alpha Brain. I just drank some of this in a shake. I gotta tell you right now, I couldn't be more clear. You're Clarity. 50, so I use it. I don't do anything without it. I'm addicted to I, it. I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm 48, but I feel like I'm 26. I have a boner right now. I have so much energy. Like, I actually, I, I'm, I'm, and I took an Alpha Brain, and I never do. I, I wanna fight you. I wanna fight you. I wanna go, chin down, and I wanna bang, bang. Oh my. Hey, I'm Dr. Asking. What's up? He's been distraught ever since his friend smoked him last week in fantasy football. Now he's grabbed this post and he won't respond. He's got Luzonic plays. What is... He's a loser. He's not a loser. Okay, he's a loser. What can he do? With DraftKings, he could have easily challenged his friend to a rematch. Okay, I can't... What are you... I can't see that. You need glasses. I'm also an optometrist. At DraftKings, you can play free private contests whenever you want. Strong Style Media presents... Sportscast Radio, the one that started it all, with your host, Ryan Cook, and me, Jordan Jiskra. We're going to be giving you everything, and I mean everything from baseball, football, basketball, hockey, field hockey, soccer, bobsled, boxing, poker, poker, survivor, and even that weird sport where they do the hurdles and jump puddles in track and field. All right, maybe not that one, but from the college to the pros and from the rings to the rink, we've got you covered. Sportscast Radio. Back at you with some soulful jams. That's all. That's all. I felt Saturday. Was that Bobby Caldwell? Bobby Caldwell. <laughs> Bobby Caldwell. Love. <laughs> that was the. Uh, that was kind of the. The mood as I was looking at these cards, going, man, oh man, we have a potential chance to see some bangers, and boy was I right. <laughs> we got some bangers. Real quick. I. Uh, I on the fly uh, thought of thought of the two things that I and I added a sound clip to it and uh, you can you can kind of if you got any of these that you ever want to talk about uh, feel free to bring up but there is somebody that that real quick that we didn't get to see the fight but they showed the fight and uh, literally uh, did you see that highlight for uh, the Michaela Mayer when she fought Maria Semertzoglu? Did you see that highlight mm-hmm. on ESPN? They showed not. it in, in between the two fights. Ah, uh, they showed the the fight in between. Yeah, I, uh, I I probably missed it because I was also like kind of doing some stuff too. Oh, while ladies, I was watching. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, with with uh, Michaela Mayer. And if you don't know, now you know. My goodness. <laughs> that <laughs> she knocked her out in like 38 seconds and she she was uh she was in a, a u.s olympian she pins her against the rope and the girl like hugs the rope and basically plays dead because she's getting bombed out in the first 20 seconds and she it looked like remember when benavidez was like spamming x and y to throw left and rights until that dude fell over Porgy? Uh, yeah, I guess Porky Medina. 
Medea. Yeah. Um, she did the same thing to her, but the girl didn't fall over. She just grabbed the rope, the top rope, as hard as she could, and just sat there eating the punches until the ref stopped the fight. It was brutal. It was oh, brutal. She. she she just, I could find rewind like three times. Like she gets hit with the one shot. She backs up, gets hit with another one. And she puts up one glove. Her left hand goes in front of her face and her right hand hooks the top rope. And she just closes her eyes and like grits her shoulders and just mm-hmm. weathers the storm as much as she can getting hit. She took like seven shots in the face. And so the ref was like, okay, that's enough. Jesus. <laughs> I could it was it was nuts. I'm sure I'm sure it's on YouTube. But uh she she moves on to four and oh three knockouts. She's from LA, so hometown fight for. Her. But uh, I just I I know I knew we weren't gonna really talk about that fight, but holy crap. Once again, uh her name is Michaela Mayer. And if you don't know, now you know. Be on the lookout for that one. <laughs> I got. I'll I got one more, I'll YouTube it. I got one more person throughout this segment where you're going to hear Biggie come back because uh, it was the first thing I thought of when I watched or at the end of this fight. But where do you want to start? You want to start with the the Showtime Showtime fights? Wherever you would like. All right, Showtime is where I went next, uh, keeping pace with how I did it the night before. We saw two hundred and forty pound title fights. Uh, one of them was an actual uh, title fight at 140 for the IBF Junior Welterweight title, and the other was for the vacant WBA Junior Welterweight title. First fight we got was a rematch from the Rancis Bartellamy versus Kiro Relic. Robbery for, for a lot of people's thoughts. Uh, Relic, I thought, did enough in that first fight where he it should have been a lot closer. He should have won it. This time they come out, it's for a title. I had I had Kiro Relic 120-106 with a with a ten eight in the last round. I had a shutout, man. What did you think of the fight? Oh God. Can you can you play Manny Pacquiao about, about Bartholomew? <laughs> he didn't oh do yeah. Nothing. He didn't yeah we're, nothing. We're, where's Manny? There's Manny. Hi Manny. I thought I wanted to fight. You thought you won the fight? Why? <laughs> he didn't do nothing. He take out, take out, take out the, I, take, take out. I thought I take, take out the. I thought I won the fight and just have. <laughs> he didn't do nothing. I like literally you know, that. The low and he and he loses two points on low blows. The second one they didn't deduct in the twelfth round, but I still did anyway. I understand. Yeah, I, I think if there wasn't five seconds left, there would have been repercussions. Yeah, but that oh my god that last that last low blow I mean that would have made Bobby Pacquiao think it was not a good punch. <laughs> that was a straight just I don't know I I had a lot higher thoughts of Rancis Bartellamy before this fight I thought he was a better fighter but I tell you what coming out of this fight boy oh boy do I not give a crap about this dude. Yeah, I've never been super high on Bartholomew. I've always thought he was kind of built up on ESPN against mm-hmm. subpar competition. And I think, like, he's one of the, like, and I don't want to pile on the guy because, I mean, boxing is one of those things where, I mean, you have to, like, 
have some. You have to like. I just I don't like to rip on boxers because it's a tough profession and a tough sport. But I mean, this guy. He's probably one of the one of the worst champions I've seen in a long time, and probably put up one of the worst performances in a title defense I've seen in ages. Like it was just, it was bad, 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 bad. Yeah, he he didn't do much, but throw low blows. Uh, Kirill Relic, yeah. he came out with. A- purpose man go ahead go ahead elijah i was gonna say he tripled he tripled he uh relic nearly tripled um bartholomew's output like per round it was like a hundred some punches to like 30 some punches <laughs> per round um i you know in in the whole espn you that the build-up that you mentioned totally makes sense why the wba puts him in a vacant title fight like this and lets him vie for their strap because, you know, he's gotten ghost bad wins. And, you know, I already said it once and I'll say it again. I don't know if he even beat Relic the first time. No, I, time, I believe Relic won the first fight. Well, this, this time he, uh, he totally, he totally didn't, didn't leave any doubt in anyone's mind. Clean sweep nope. on the, on the scorecards, man. He just decimated him. And, Literally, the only time I ever saw Relic have any sort of slowdown or stopping was from the, the two blow blows, or the three low blows. He took three of them. The three blow blows? Three blow blows? Those blow, are not blow, good blow, pots, blow. man. <laughs> blow blow. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's like, come on, dude. Like, you got to show us something here. But, you know, hats off to Cairo Relic. He came in there, and he did what he was supposed to, and he went ham, man. He went ham, and it was awesome. Such a good showing. It was decisive. He made him he made him pay for, for a lot of – there was a lot of frustration, I felt, from Cairo uh, Relic going into that fight because he just did a, a masterful beatdown of a job on Rancis Bartholomew. Yeah. Uh, I – Honestly, I don't have a lot to say otherwise on this fight because he—I mean—he—he he literally he decimated this dude. And said, "Give me that title and get the hell out of my ring." Literally was like pretty much the, the eyesight look that I got from that. I mean, he didn't even go and like they didn't even embrace in the corners. You know, he just he walked right to the center and put his arm up for the ref to grab his arm, like take my arm so you can give me the belt and get this guy out of my ring. Yeah. One thing though, one thing though, I was kind of glad about after the fight is that Bartholomew didn't make any excuses, didn't say anything like, "Yeah, bad. that's true." He, just, he literally just said, "Yeah, he was, he he was better than I was tonight," which is is good because I hate when guys put up bad performances and then make excuses or act like kind of delusional to the outcome and stuff. So. So yeah, but that's and, all I really have to say about that fight too. And that's that's a good point because that's the one the one thing I do hear from some people that aren't into boxing is they they always say, well, after the fight, both guys always think they won, even though one got destroyed. And it's it's such a good point because so many people will get you know dominated and beat on like, oh man, I don't know what the judges were looking at, and they have like a a huge hematoma on their forehead, and you're like, well, that's <laughs> probably 
part of what they looked at, dude, is the fact you got your ass kicked. But hey, who are we to judge? You know, we're not the pro. But you know, it's 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 such a good point because people always just, you know, I was waiting for <laughs> not to harp back on it, but ironically. I was waiting for Craig Lewis at the interview to be like, man, I thought I won that fight <laughs> against Junior Fox. Hey, shut up. Oh, God. <laughs> like, because every time that they, they, when they started interviewing, uh, you know, when they, the, the dudes in the ring, you could see Craig Lewis kept like inching closer to the, the interviewer. And I'm like, man, keep or not go over there and start complaining about the decision. <laughs> I just want these guys out of, out of the ring. Get out of the ring. Get out of here. Get out of here. Like, oh, man. They're on my lawn. Get out of here, kids. Start spraying them with the hose. Oh, God. Jim Gray. Get out of the ring. <laughs> Get out of here. This is Danny's moment. <laughs> um, main event, though. Boy, was this fight another breath of fresh air. I thought this, I had, I had 116-111, Mike Garcia, um, over Sergey Lipinier to defeat him to take the IBF junior welterweight title as fourth weight division. What did you have the fight? Did you, you score this fight? Yeah, I I gave Garcia um, ten rounds to two. Ten to over, two. Yeah, but there's like, let's see, one, two, three, four, like five rounds that, like I could have almost went either way or like five rounds where I thought Lipinier was winning the, winning the round and then Garcia kind of stole it from him. Yeah. Garcia did a good job of that at the end of that, that um, I gave Lipinier the fourth round, uh, the fourth, sixth and seventh. And then I gave the first three, that middle fifth and the last three to Mikey. Yeah. I, he, I, like, scored it. I gave Lipinier round two. And then I gave him round six, but round three I gave barely to Garcia. Round four yep, I, I barely gave to Garcia. And I got like round nine, three with an asterisk, too. And then nine, ten, and eleven were like all really close rounds to me, too. That it just, to me, it felt like Lipinier would start the rounds out really well. Mm-hmm. And then Garcia would just finish the rounds better. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was a great fight, man. And uh I'll tell you one thing that, that I came away from this and I told you you were gonna hear this and you're gonna hear it again right now. And if you don't know now you know Sergey Lipinier, if this dude just would have been a boxer and not had done kickboxing a la Chris Al- Chris Algieri, this dude might have been uh, might be a big deal in this in this sport right now for the last few years where he wasn't in. He's only had 13 fights and that was the performance he put up against a guy like Mikey Garcia who's who's slowly becoming one of the pound for pound kings right now. I I thought that this was one of those fights that I thought both guys came away better. As weird as that is because Lipinier did lose, he loses his title, but I think he became he became a, a name in in a in you know your average run of the mill boxing fans mind who just watches the big names, I think people are going to remember Sergey Lipinier after this fight, and I think Mikey Garcia beating him, 
and doing as well as he did after how well Lipinier fought, I think just made Mikey Garcia a bigger deal as well. What do you think? Oh, definitely. Like, a lot of people probably weren't thinking that this was going to end up this way, but this is probably uh, Garcia's biggest test of his career. Yeah. And, and he uh, he passed it with uh, flying colors. And, I mean, hats off to Lipinier, too, because I didn't expect this type of performance out of him. Um, if he could have just, to me, if he could have just sustained sustain some of the, his early success in some of those rounds, we could be maybe, like, talking about an upset tonight. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, I had nine to three. You had ten to two. We both said the second. You know, you gave him the second. We both said the third is a, is a was it was an up in the air question mark. I mean, if I flip mine to giving him the second, and I flip the third, which I have an asterisk on, just like you mentioned, now it's one fifteen, one thirteen. It's a it's a seven five fight. Like that's how good yeah. a fight this was. Well, and um, I mean, even even rounds nine through twelve were like ridiculously close. Garcia kept managing to land that great counter to hold him off when he was to, to stop him from winning those rounds. Yeah. When, the, uh, the one, two. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the one thing once, you know, Sergey Lipinier did something that we always complain about and we rarely see, I think we've only seen it maybe once this year. We've praised somebody, but here was a guy who came out in those final rounds, knew it was a close fight, but he knew he probably was down the cards. And he didn't give up. He kept going. Like, this dude kept mm-hmm. banging with him and banging with him and banging with him. And there's not much more you can ask for on that. That's That, to me, was why it was such a good performance by Lipinier is that dude went out there and said, look, if I'm losing, you're going to have trouble. And kudos once again. Mikey Garcia is a class act. Dude's always been great. You know, he he openly admitted how, how well Lipinier did. He put him over, and I love that he did that. Lipinier had great things to say about Garcia. Two classy-ass dudes having a great fight is exactly what, what I asked, wanted from this fight. And, and I mean, I couldn't have been any, any happier. And, and like I said, you know, having 117-111-9-3, it was a closer fight than, than my scorecard actually says. Because those two yeah. just put it out. They put it out there on their sleeves and just wore that man. It was it was such a great fight, just a fantastic fight. Yeah, yeah, tremendous. Um, I think Lipinier definitely still is going to be a player in this division. You know, he's he's had fourteen fights, and that's how good he looked. Um, I tell you what, you know, when we're talking about the the rest of that division. I don't, you know, I, I know we mentioned Regis Prograis in there, but, you know, Sergey Lipinier, the same thing. I don't think Ramirez or Ramon is beating Lipinier if they were to no. fight him. No. Uh, and the, the Terry Flanagan fight, I, I don't, I don't know if any of the, either of the, uh, Terry Flanagan, Maurice Hooker, I don't know if either of those dudes could beat Lipinier, to be honest with no. you. I mean, we very well could see by the end of this year, Pro Grace, Lipinier, Garcia, and Relic as your four champions. And if that's the case, that might be one of the studliest uh, divisional set out of weight classes that you'd have because of what we've seen here. Oh, man. 
<laughs> I mean, and just think if they were to do it again too, we get we get Relic versus Prograze or or Garcia or Lipinje in there, and they do a a, a four man tourney. God, oh, wow. <laughs> so, merch. Key, uh, key point there for Lipinier, man. You, you, my hat is off to you. You fought a hell of a fight, man. You, and that's the one thing. Like, I, I was confident it, that Lipinier. I didn't think he was going to win, but I thought he could put up a fight. But then again, you know, I look at the last time when Garcia, um, when Garcia won his 135 WBC title when he beat Dehan Zilatitsinen. I thought Zilatitsinen was a better fighter than, than he was going to be, and then Garcia exposed him. Yeah. And it's, a, you know, in my head I'm going, okay, is Lipinier as good as what we've seen in, you know, our short span, or is Garcia just going to expose him too? And <clears throat> Garcia had a war. He had a war, and I loved it. It was such a good fight. Such a good fight. I can't wait to see what's next. Do you think Garcia's going to stick around, or do you think he's going to go up to 147 already? Well, from from what he said, it sounds like he's going to go back down to 135 quick. In like okay, and finish. He said that he had some unfinished business to take care of at 135, and then after he does that, he's going to probably go up to 147. I said I think they said that he's going to be looking to move up to 147 within like two to three fights. Okay. So, so. He's, he's dipping right, right on it. So he only went to 140 to try to get a title for his, for his pedigree. Yeah. Okay. Hey man, if they, if, if, the, if he vacates you guys, IBF, you better put Lipinier back in there in that vacant fight because that dude deserves to be in there. Yeah, um, definitely. Do you think Garcia wants to go down there and fight Robert Easter? I mean, we saw Easter at the fight. You know, he's calling him out again. I, 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 the way Easter looked in his last fight, I think I would. I'd go. I'd want to. If I was Garcia, I'd want to go down there and get him. <laughs> Should, I get him? Should I get him? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think Ramuno Beltran puts on much of a threat against Garcia. I don't see that being anything he wants to do. Maybe Jorge no. Linares, but uh. I think Easter, if he's going back down, might be the fight. Man, yeah. he goes up to 147. Now you added him and Terrence Crawford to that welterweight division. <laughs> Jesus, Lord, have mercy. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Somebody help us. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking about all the names in there. I mean, you know, Spence, Thurman, Garcia, Horn, Pacquiao, Matisse. God. Jesus. Now you're adding Garcia and Crawford. Let's go. Do we, do we still count Mike Alvarado? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I know, we, <laughs> I know we didn't get fully into it last time. I, I don't think we did. But, uh, you know, kudos. Oh, yeah, we did because we were ragging on the announcers or the promoters. Okay, good. I was just thinking, I was like, man, kudos to the fact that. Oh, speaking, it, of, speaking of ragging on promoters. Sorry to cut you off, but I had to tell you this because I saw it on ESPN. Oh, go ahead. Because um, we were talking about how um, someone mentioned how Tyson Fury could likely be Joshua's next fight. Yeah, um, yeah, I put that thank, in our group chat. Thank God I saw something on ESPN today. 
that tells us otherwise. Because when you put that when you put that in our group chat, I was like, I was like, effing <laughs> Eddie Hearn. Yeah, I know. But, I remember. I, I was waiting for Eddie Hearn, and then the uh, the CeeLo hands in the air picture was what I was waiting for next. But you didn't. I think you were just angry. But um, supposedly from March 10th. Raphael posted that um, Anthony Joshua's promoter says he wants to make next fight, uh, make fight versus Deontay Wilder next. Oh, thank so. God! Thank God! When, because like right before I posted that Tyson Fury thing, when I when I heard about that, like a day or two before Teddy Atlas said, "You're probably gonna have to wait till the end of 2019 for for the Wilder, you know, at least a year or two for the Wilder Joshua fight." And then I'm thinking. Wait a minute. We just went after the Wilder fight. Jim Gray was like, Joshua said he might want to tune up. Do you want one Wilder? And I'm starting to go, oh my gosh, dude, don't even tell me that they got this close and they're not going to do it. And then I heard the Tyson Fury thing. <sighs> okay, good. I'm I'm glad. Now here's something crazy. You know, not to, not to keep jumping off topic here, but I'm glad you brought this up. The money wise is remarkably different as to what these ratings are saying and what the fights look like. Did you see the money payout for these two heavyweight title fights? Uh Uh-uh. Deontay Wilder, I believe, got $5 million, and Luis Ortiz got two. Uh But it was was the highest-watched, like, Showtime slash HBO non-pay-per-view card in, like, some years. It had, like, 1.6 million or something like that. It was some crazy number with how many how many views watched it. Anthony Joshua is getting $20 million in his fight against Joseph Parker. Joseph Parker Jeez. is getting $8 million as the B side. He's getting more than Wilder got as the A side. I think it's because of where they're fighting. It, and that that very well may be because that that just blew my mind. I'm like, dude, this this is the highest watched, you know, guy since probably, you know, peak days Floyd on on some of these shows. You know, I don't think anyone's hit, hit a over like a 1.2. Um, I could be wrong about those numbers, but I know that they said it was like the highest for Showtime at least. But he's getting three million less than Parker as the B side. Yeah, that's crazy. But I, I mean, Joshua is like one of the bigger athletes over over where he's from, mm-hmm. over in Europe. So I, I expect the I expect the the money discrepancies just because he's probably, he's more in demand over there than Wilder is over here. And, and that says a lot too, for yeah. for um, you know, if, uh, Michael Thompson talking to you, he said uh, if if I'm Deontay Wilder, I take the sixty forty and go fight over there. I yeah, you're gonna make more money doing the sixty forty than you would <laughs> doing the sixty forty here. Hmm. Because you figure if if Parker. And Joshua's doing twenty twenty eight million between the two. I can I can guarantee you it's a fifty hundred million dollar fight over there if it's yeah Joshua Wilder. You know, he he could make thirty two to forty million as opposed to he made five this fight. 
Yeah. And, you know, as, as much as, you know, people talk about, well, you know, come fight in my home country. I don't necessarily think it's, it's as much of a burden, you know, technically going on the road or whatever you want to call it in boxing, you know, as opposed to like the four major sports. Because, mm-hmm. you know, yes, people are chanting Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. That's what's going to happen there. But, you know, if I'm Deontay Wilder, it's still just noise. And if I'm at home, they're chanting my name. It's still just noise. You know, I mean, do, do you think there's, like, if you're Wilder, does it? do you think you have any, or I, I, let me try to phrase this better. If you were Deontay Wilder, would you care where the fight was or whether you got cheered or booed in a, in a one-on-one no. sport? Exactly. Nope. That's what I'm starting to think that Wilder needs to take a 60-40 and go fight in Cardiff, Wales, or, or over in uh, the O2 in England. Yeah. And sell 80,000 tickets. Get that Klitschko Joshua money that that fight drew. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> I would if I was if I was him. I mean, you can get over there in time to where you can like do your training and stuff over there and you can adjust to the time difference and stuff, but yeah. I think I think I fight over there if I'm if I'm if I'm Wilder you're by far biggest payday and bigger payday than what you probably make over here. And then you know if and, you win, have the if you win, have the rematch here. Yeah. Yeah, I went over to your place and beat you, you know. I and, and you know, you mentioned you mentioned the payday part, which I think is a as a key too because you know, we talked about it before. The reason Wilder became a fighter was because he needed to make money for his daughter. Yeah. You want to make money, dude? Here's how you do it. I've, this is the first time I'll ever say anything like that to Wilder. Go over there and take the money. And realistically, if he goes over there and just and takes a 60-40, I don't think anyone's going to discredit him and say he's not. Like, do you think he thinks – by agreeing to take a 60-40 that people are going to think that he's not as good as Joshua or he's the lesser of the fighter? Do you think that's his mentality? Um, I hope not. I mean, you never know, but I don't, I don't think so. And I would hope not. Cause I don't, I don't think that reflects on it. Like, I don't know what the Golovkin Canelo money split is between the two for these two fights, but I don't care. It's you know I don't care who's what on there. It to me it's it's okay. Canelo's name is first. Big deal. Yeah. And I, I hope that's not that doesn't you know and go ahead and agree with it. Okay, we'll fight in your place sixty forty split, but I want my name first. Okay, great. Remember remember Pacquiao and Mayweather they had to they decided like who was going to do commentary, um, whose name was going to be first. What. Um, what broadcasting station is going to be listed first, HBO or Showtime? What promoters are going to be li- like? You know what? What what are the ring ropes going to say? Like you know, some of this stuff is so ridiculous. Like, just go over the big look, man. Sixty forty will fight in your place. I just want my name first in the card. Deal. Yeah. I don't. That's I don't see all. a problem with that. No, that's how. That's all. That's how simple it should be. <laughs> you know. But I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Sorry uh, to everyone that we got off on our usual heavyweight tangents that we just can't stay away from because we're getting this finally, we think. Uh, we're one for one on our fights. It was a tough one, but we almost didn't get it already. But now we just need Joshua to get the job done, which yeah. uh, I, I don't think you'll have a problem with. But 
<laughs> I've seen stranger things that I've seen Jeff Horn beat Manny Pacquiao somehow. So I just <laughs> stranger things have happened. <laughs> it was a good punch, man. Uh, no. ESPN, <laughs> we had, uh, we had some, some, some fun fights. Uh, what do you think of this Andy Ventus versus Eric DeLeon fight? It was a, it was a decent back and forth fight. Um, I thought Vince was one, just because he seemed to be the more sharper fighter than me, and De Leon seemed to be uh, kind of looking a little amateurish at times. But overall, it was a good fight. Hopefully, they can fight again to settle the majority draw that um, happened between those two. Yeah, it was uh, 95-95 on two judges, 94-96, or 96-94, Vences, or no, De Leon, actually, got one of the three judges, and the other two gave it a draw. Um, I had had it 95 each, too. I had the draw as well. Uh, A lot of close rounds, I think, too, which which definitely made it a little bit of an awkward fight. I, I love the Michael Buffer. One of the zeros has to, or one of the O's has to go, or whatever he said. And then I was like, ah, no, they don't. <laughs> the drop, bitch. He, by the way, uh, Michael Buffer's jacket was ridiculously tight that he had on under the rain. That thing looked like some James Bond smoke colored. Sorry, but that thing was that thing was pretty fresh. <laughs> I was like, damn, hey, hey, that's my. That's Michael Buffer for you, man. <laughs> man, can you believe that dude's been saying let's get ready to rumble for like thirty years probably now? No. It's crazy. I, it, it, he used to do all the WCW like nitros too. Yeah. That dude that dude gets gets paid. like he's probably like if you kind of break his break down his earnings, I think by like hour he makes probably some of the like most money I think out of anybody <laughs> in entertainment. I um, you know, I'm really intrigued by this. I'm going to Google Michael Buffer's net worth and see Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer's salary by the late '80s. Uh, Buffer was exclusive ring announcer. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Consequently, Buffer is earning an excess of $400 million. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Michael Buffer. Let's see. Prior to becoming a professional ring announcer, Buffer had several jobs, which include being a car, sale, car salesman. At 32, he pursued a modeling career. <laughs> and at 38, he became a ring announcer. His career started in 82. In 83, he became the announcer for Bob Arum's top-ranked promotions on ESPN. Later, he became an official ring announcer for the main events of World Championship Wrestling, which featured world-renowned professional wrestlers like Hulk Hogan. Aside from wrestling and boxing, Buffer has also announced some world-renowned sports events like the World Series, NFL playoff games, Stanley Cup finals, and NBA championships. Um, wow. Uh, $400 million from licensing and royalties. Uh, in 2013, he was making twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars every event. Jesus! So if you break that down to like this, because he doesn't—he's obviously not working for that long. 
Man. He, uh, by, yeah, by 2009, he had an excess of $400 million um, in, in earnings. By, and that was nine years ago. <laughs> I, I thought I heard somewhere at one point he was getting a million bucks every time he said that. Let's get ready to rumble. Oh, my God. <laughs> Elijah, we need to come up with a catchphrase and uh, get on there. We, maybe we yeah. can take Jimmy Lennon Jr.'s job. It's showtime. Jimmy Lennon Jr. <laughs> He's like the Gary Michael Capetta. Uh, the w- <laughs> WCW announcer. This is yeah. <laughs> Anyway, God. now that we've just went on a 12-minute tangent here. Uh, main event, another banger, man. They just kept coming. They just kept coming. Scott Quake, Oscar Valdez Jr. I had it 117-111 for Valdez. What did you have it? I had it pretty pretty lopsided towards Valdez. I think I gave Quig one or two, one round. Oh, wow. I think I gave Quig the, I think I gave Quig the fifth, but I don't know. I just yeah, I felt I, like, I felt like Valdez was like a lot of Quig, Quig's um, attack was just very like, it wasn't, just wasn't all that effective to me. I think Valdez was a much sharper fighter and Quig was, essentially just coming forward and eating a lot of punches. And, I mean, he roughed up Valdez a little bit, a little bit, but he wasn't doing enough to win the rounds for me, I guess. So. Yeah, I, I had the fifth, sixth, and ninth to Quake. So I gave him three. Um, okay. not, I mean, I didn't, give him, I, didn't, like, I didn't give him excessively a lot. Um, judges had it 116, 110, 117, 111 were the three scorecards. I'll tell you what, though, I've never seen somebody bleed like Valdez was from the mouth. Oh yeah, because he had that. Uh, he broke his jaw or whatever, or and he was like, yeah. like his teeth. He were like all knocked up his teeth. He like knocked his teeth back and like made him bite his tongue or something. Apparently, yeah, something crazy. <laughs> I love how when they interview Valdez, they, you know, he's like, "How do you feel?" He's like, "Oh man, he messed me up. Look at my teeth." And he like smiled and it just blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was talking all like goofed up too. You could tell like something was. Up with his mouth by how he was talking. <laughs> These dudes, though, they went out and just banged. You know, another awesome main event. Uh, Scott Quigg was getting punked out early, and he, you know, he started kind of figuring it out. I think it was, I think it was a lot of two Valdez for everything that he ate was coming back with equal or more impressive punches, and I think that's what Definitely. kept edging the rounds out for me. Um, but I, I did think Quig, you know, Quig put up a hell of a performance. He never never came overseas to fight before, so kudos to him for doing that. Um, but don't, I mean, by the end the end of that fight when they shook hands in the center of the ring, and you there's a, it was like a perfect still shot you could get. Those dudes look like they've been through hell. Yeah. And Scott Quig's nose was all like his face was so flat. <laughs> Like he he had just ate like his nose was like divvied into him. It looked like uh, what's that? Oh man, this is this is a way out there one. There was a movie when I was a kid, and it was like they were on some planet or something, and it was like uh, this this dude was like friends with some alien, and then the alien had a little kid. 
you know what I'm talking about? No, no, it was like a like, and then the dude gets killed, and then so the like the the oh the human mine? maybe or like they, was Lewis, they had like Louis Gossett Jr. was it Louis Gossett Jr. the the alien, and he had like he was like brown and weird looking. He had like big lips and like like spiky kind of things on his head. Yeah, that's that was enemy mine. Enemy mine. I'm looking it up right now. Um, Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Was in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. And he had the little kid. Mm-hmm. In it. Yeah, that was enemy yeah, mine. Uh, um, uh, Scott Quigg's face looked like the the main alien dude from Enemy Mine. Like it was all like just flat, like a mask from eating all them shots, dude. Oh my gosh! Enemy Mine. That's what it was. I used to love that movie as a kid. Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, Dennis Quaid. What the hell? The rookie, huh? Goes to space. <laughs> but he, I mean, he he was messed up. Valdez was messed up. I mean, them dudes, them dudes had a war. Those dudes had a war. Um, yeah. You know, both guys, totally respectful, gave it up for one another. I don't know what this does now for Scott Quigg. I don't know if I see him really – I don't know. I mean, do, do you see him still trying to be a player at 126? I don't – I mean, maybe he goes and fights a guy like Lee Selby again, but I don't think he wants anything at Gary Russell. And Not I don't really. think he's I think... touching – Santa Cruz if he beats Mares again. Oh God, no! Um, I think Quig is at the point now where he's just gonna be a guy to um, enhance younger talent and maybe beat some prospects, get some upsets against some prospects because he's kind of a rough and tumble fighter. But I don't think he's gonna be an elite fighter by any means at all. So. I would say no, not really. Where do you go next if you're Oscar Valdez? I mean, like I said, Gary Russell Jr., Leo Santa Cruz, Abner Maras, Lee Selby, kind of the the title picture in the rest of that 126 division. Where, where do you want to see Valdez next? Do you want to see him take some extra fights? Do you want to see him go after another title? Well, besides Russell and Lee Selby, I don't know a ton about that division now that – you know, Lomachenko's kind of out of it and not really involved with it. Um, I know, like, Gary Russell Jr. has been kind of going back and forth with somebody about fighting them. I can't remember who I'm going to look at it now, but um, I, I think it's time for Valdez to maybe step up and get in the title picture now or get in the picture with some with some bigger names. I mean, he put on a hell of a fight with with a broken jaw, like yeah. against a guy against a guy who was coming after him. Oh, Jojo Diaz has been calling out Gary Russell, and Gary Russell has been kind of talking back. So yeah, they're fighting. They just don't have a date about. yet. They're the next. Yeah. Uh, Jojo Diaz was on the Friday, I think, undercard or the Friday um, commentary team. On ESPN, yeah. the, the top-ranked fight, and he was talking about he's fighting Russell. They just don't have a date yet for it. Yeah. So um, maybe, maybe, a fight with, maybe a fight with Selby? 
that wouldn't be bad. I think he could take Selby. Do you think he's got a pedigree to take on kind of the, the big the big boys, you know, fight either the winner or loser of Santa Cruz, Abner Mares, or even a guy like Carl Frampton? Or do you think he should kind of hang low again, you know, Selby, fight a guy like Nonito Donaire, maybe a Jesus Rojas? Well, ooh, yeah, I don't I don't. Santa Cruz is a tough one, man. I don't see a lot of people, anybody really – beating Santa Cruz, I think at that weight class, Santa Cruz is just a bad matchup for people because of how like tall and long he is. Um, he, he is skilled, too. That dude can fight, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, I think I don't think he I don't think he can beat Santa Cruz. I think he could go in there and put up a good fight against um, Abner Mares or any of the other guys, but I don't know. I just want to see him maybe take that next step. So... I mean, if that's what's in the cards next, if he's fighting like the winner of Mara Santa Cruz or whatever, do it. Uh, I'm looking at ESPN's uh, rankings for the featherweight division. Uh, a lot of these guys are fighting too, which is going to kind of open it up here over the summer. Uh, Mara's and Santa Cruz fight June 9th. They're ranked one and three. Number two ranked Carl Frampton is fighting number seven ranked uh, Nonito Donaire April 21st. Oh God, uh, we got. I, I honestly think that's going to be a thrashing. Oh, yeah. Frampton, I think, is going to just destroy him. Nothing against Donaire, but I don't think he's hanging in there. I think Donaire is just kind of at that point in his career where he's probably on the the way towards retirement, honestly. Yeah. 42 fights. I mean, he's been in there with some wars, too. Yeah. And he's been Uh, outclassed lately by some really good fighters. So. Uh, Selby's fighting Josh Warrington on the 19th of May. We got the Russell Jojo Diaz fight that's going to happen at some point. The only guy who doesn't have a fight lined up is uh, Jesus Rojas, uh, who they have ranked 10. That so a lot of this is going to open up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's another it's another guy to fight. That's totally for sure. I, and I'm I'm cool with that. They got Oscar Valdez ranked fourth in the division ahead of Gary Russell and Lee Selby, which uh, you know Frampton and Mara's don't have titles out of the four, but obviously their pedigree puts them ahead of Valdez. I'm totally fine with that. And obviously Santa Cruz is your, your featherweight kingpin. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good good way for Valdez to go. Start fighting some, some top ten guys. You know, Scott Quake isn't a top tenner anymore, but he's definitely a guy that tested him. And we now know that Oscar Valdez, kind of like we saw with Dimitri Bivol last week, can can taste blood and see blood and not be affected by it. Whereas some people panic under the pressure of that, you know, and, oh, my God, I'm, I'm busted. You know, Bavol handled business with Sullivan Barrera, and we saw Oscar Valdez handle business with Scott Quigg with with a very damaged mouth. So I think, I think Valdez is, is right there on the way to kind of a, kind of a nice little run. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. He's an exciting fighter. If anything, he's going to be a guy that's going to put on some some good fights. So, bring on more Valdez. <laughs> um, overall thoughts on Saturday's show? Oh, by far the highlight of the weekend, easily. Um, I'd have to say that... Um, the ESPN show was probably the best one, I think. Um, just because it had more, 
more fights, and they were like all pretty good. Um, who was the dude that hit, took that like liver shot? Uh, Did you see that? No, no. I might have been fast forwarding to get to the the Valdez fight after watching De Leon show, uh, fight. If you if you look on ESPN right now. Um, one of the fights, it's like one of the undercards, like for the top rank or whatever, I believe. Um, what was it? The guys, let's see here. Just crazy ending. Oh, uh, Saucedo. Alex okay. Saucedo versus Abner Lopez. Man, you should, you should look at the, you should pull it up right now on your phone and look at that liver shot. <laughs> is it, uh, is it like an actual like video? Yeah. It's on okay. it's on the front page for ESPN Boxing. Like you just have to scroll down a little bit. But right, I'm, I'm up here right now. Man, Valdez's face is just wrecked. Garcia Lipinier, Valdez Quig. Um, I love this. Pacquiao sets fight. Aram says deal not done. Get the hell out of here, man. <laughs> they, so so that so the. Matisse Pacquiao fight might not even happen, or Aram's saying it's not happening. Like Aram says, well, I don't know what Manny's talking about. The deal apparently isn't done for the fight. Oh <sighs> Jesus Christ! Is he is he really trying this hard to get him on that undercard still? Like, come uh, on! I don't know. But, like we, yeah. There's a reason everyone thought it was wow. That's impressive. That oh my god, that liver punch. I would have pooped myself. Like slow, did you see how he just slowly oh fell over? Out of out of poops. That guy is in pain. They're bringing a stool into the center of the ring. Oh my god! Now this is the top rank. This was the. Uh, oh yeah, this was the 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 Stubhub Center Saturday show. Oh my god. Jeez, that might be one of the. Oh my God! If you guys want a knockout of the year contender, um, Alex uh, Saucedo, 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 Saucedo. Regardless, Abner Lopez. Uh, after that shot, and if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> You're pissing blood for a week, bro. Oh my God, God that was rough. He hit him so That's, hard he didn't even fall. He hit him so hard he like didn't even fall like hard. Like he hit him so hard he like was in so much pain he fell like gingerly. He's like, oh. That that's like when uh when uh you remember you know like in those video games like like the old like Sega Genesis Streets of Rage when you kill the bad guys and they're like yeah and they just kind of fall <laughs> in the same spot. That's, yeah. That's kind of what that was. God, that, that that was that was rough. Oh my God, Ugh. we need, we need to make a list of these uh, potential knockouts of the year here, so we can start getting ready. You know, and that's the other reason too. I wanted to write down all these or score every fight, kind of like I'm doing with the you know star rating on all the wrestling shows. Is come end of the year, you know, when we have to start trying to figure out awards. Um, I think it just makes it that much easier because then I'll have all these fights in front of me. I'll be able to remember them a lot easier. Yeah. You know, and, and kind of go, oh, that one ended in the eighth. Okay, I remember that. Little little notes, but, dude, that, that liver punch was disgusting. 
my God. We saw we saw great fights, man. We saw some great fights this weekend. Um, you know, Showtime Showtime on Saturday really won me over my thoughts. Um, Rancis Bartholomew getting dominated by Kiro Relic. The Mikey Garcia Sergey Lipinier fight was that's that's immediately up there with the Wilder Ortiz for fight of the year for me right now. It was such a good fight. Two classy ass dudes, and that's the one thing you know. Same thing with this with this Wilder Ortiz fight. It's two dudes that after the match didn't didn't sit there and bicker and moan and be angry. And it it's I think it says so much more for the fight when after the fight's over, you don't have people complaining and pissing about the fight. And it's you know both dudes just coming out classy, and it it keeps that clean taste in your mouth that you had from an exciting fight. And I'm glad yeah. we got this from from. Once again, Garcia and Lipinier. We got it last week from Ortiz Wilder. We got it from Valdez and Quig. I'm glad that that these guys aren't complaining about these decisions, like you had mentioned. Because then, then, you, then that's your your thought. Even you know, like you said with Bartholomew uh, against Kirill Relic, it just leaves such a bad taste in your mouth when when people get so mad about a one sided decision. Like I understand if it's one fifteen, one thirteen, and you're mad you lost. Yeah, but you know, but when you're when you lose nine rounds, bro, don't be complaining. I'm glad we're not seeing it. I'm just, I, yeah. it's it's so much nicer. It's such a breath of fresh air. I agree. Uh well, we we uh we got under twenty minutes left in the show. Not a ton to talk about that we haven't already talked about. It's going to be a lot of just kind of breaking down scheduling for y'all. Uh, Elijah, I say I say we call it a night. This was a great show. We, we brought brought a lot of boxing talk to the table. We talked eleven different fights tonight. That's not something you can commonly say. Um, and next weekend we got some more fun. Next Saturday, there's a uh, real quick. Let's just kind of preview what we got that we're going to be talking about next weekend for y'all. There was a fight on oh it's CBS live streaming. Yeah, I don't do that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not going that far out of my way here. Um, next Saturday is the, that Jose Ramirez and Miramam. WBC junior welterweight vacant filler fight. Michael Conlon's on the undercard. Uh, Alexander Votzik is also on the undercard fighting for an interim light heavyweight title. We'll see if they, for a WBC interim light heavyweight title. So we'll see if they put that on the, the show. Um, otherwise, that's all we got. So next week we might have some new segments for you. I know there's some stuff Elijah wanted to wanted to bring to the table. So uh, you know we'll see what's going on, and we may put a poll up in the Facebook group. If you're not a part of it, standing account, join our group. Talk to us. Uh, we may do a yes, watch along next we, week. We love to talk. We love to talk boxing, and what better place to talk boxing than on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> That's a plug. But yeah, we we, uh, we may have a watch along for you guys next weekend because you know there isn't a ton uh, going on next weekend. So I think next weekend will be a news news show. We'll obviously talk the Amir Mom Jose Ramirez fight and what that means for Regis Pro who's, who's who's going to slaughter to be slaughter? Who's going to be uh, <laughs> um, a sacrificial lamb? For, yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, and let us know your thoughts. Who is going to be the sacrificial lamb? <laughs> I love it. That's, that's a good way. Uh, otherwise, and if you don't, we'll send uh, Ivan Branchuk at you. 
and let him punch you as hard as he can with every punch he has. <laughs> but uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna look at the HBO on demand and kind of see what's on there. And you know, I'll follow with Elijah. Elijah kind of runs the majority of that Facebook group, so um, we'll talk and Elijah will probably get a poll out for you guys. Uh, maybe we'll run it like Tuesday to Saturday or so, close it on Sunday, and then we'll watch uh, one of the fights Sunday night that people choose and like to see. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome show, man. As always, stay in A-Count Radio, Strong Style Media. Hit us up, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio TuneIn, strongstylemedia.com. Got a little merch on there. We're getting some more. But, uh, yeah, come on, talk to us, man. Have some fun. Thank you all for listening. Elijah, great show as always. Catch you next Sunday. Peace out.